Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty Friday greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the January 20th edition of the Sunday Side of Sports. Football superstars Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi played against each other for possibly the final time Thursday night in a thrilling exhibition match in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Ronaldo scored twice in his first game in Saudi Arabia, while Messi opened the scoring as Messi's Paris Saint-Germain club edged Ronaldo's Riyadh All-Star 11 5-4. A sellout crowd of 68,000 fans attended the match at the King Foud International Stadium in Riyadh. And more than a few fans were sporting Ronaldo and Messi jerseys. Jersey sales are just one element in what's expected to be a big financial windfall for Ronaldo's new club, Al Nasser, in Saudi Arabia. VOA's Gwen Uten tells us more. Sporty greetings, Gwen! Sporty greetings, Sonny. The Rihad All-Star 11 is made up of players from Saudi Arabian clubs Al Nasser and rivals Al Halal. And the All-Stars were up against Parisian Germain and newly crowned World Cup champion Lionel Messi in a highly anticipated exhibition match Thursday night. The Riyadh side was led by team captain Cristiano Ronaldo, Al Nasser's most recent signing. In December, Ronaldo ended his contract with English club Manchester United to sign a new one with Al Nasser. A two-and-a-half-year agreement reportedly worth more than $215 million U.S. dollars to make Ronaldo the highest paid footballer in history. Neil Joyce is a football finance expert and co-founder of the CLV Group. He tells Reuters News he expects the record-breaking deal will lead to a financial windfall for both Al Nasser and Saudi Arabia. There's going to be like all the merchandise sales of his shirt, like there's lots of press that's gone around all of that right now, but even if like you got one dollar per fan that follows Ronaldo that follows Saudi Arabia, you're, you've already got eight million US dollars straight away that comes in. That's even if they just spend one dollar once. So if you think about entertainment and celebrity, there could be like behind the scenes documentaries around Ronaldo's first six months in Saudi Arabia that Netflix may want to buy or Amazon or somebody like that, which would they would they would spend 25, 30, 40 million plus to do those kind of things as well. So There's some direct monetary values that I've just quoted there for you. And Joyce says Ronaldo's move to Saudi Arabia has expanded his fan base in the country. I think it's well publicized, the the growth of the Al Nasser fan base after Ronaldo joined. They went from under a million fans to like eight million in a space of like 10 days. So I think there's a couple of monetary opportunities for them on the back of it. One for sponsorship. So suddenly showing that global brands that you can reach 8 million fans of Al Nasser and Ronaldo in Saudi Arabia. There's some monetization that they could benefit from straight away on it. He's got a heavy following around celebrities, 
TV, entertainment, and pop music as well. So there's opportunities for Saudi Arabia to almost be a hub for TV and entertainment. And also reality TV is something that Ronaldo over-indexes for as well. So there's out-and-out sponsorship monetary opportunities for Saudi Arabia per se, but also his club. But then there's obviously more entertainment and content opportunities to promote both Saudi Arabia probably as a destination, but equally to think about the real housewives of Saudi Arabia, for instance, as well, would be something that would really work with Ronaldo's fan base as well. At 37, Cristiano Ronaldo signed the most lucrative deal of his career at an age where most footballers are preparing to hang up their cleats. But Neil Joyce says now is the perfect time for the star player to settle in the Middle East because of the short time left in his competitive career. I think it's more of a short-term hit that they can get with him but also if they want to become the next version of the MLS so think back to Pele long long time ago the Ronaldo effect could take hold in that area and given the success of the World Cup in that region as well I think it makes a lot of sense for Ronaldo and the value that it can bring in the in the not too distant future and Joyce believes the Ronaldo effect will usher in more high profile players to Saudi Arabia and further develop the sport I think there's going to in the short term you're going to see a series of relatively high profile stars that maybe are entering the latter stages of their career, probably moving over to Saudi Arabia. I think the other piece that's really interesting within this as well is if you think about some of the ownership of football clubs as well, and maybe assembling a portfolio of teams in the Middle East, as well as the US and continental Europe as well. I I think that trend will will start to, to come together as well on there. Two teams in the Saudi Arabian League made a strong push to sign Lionel Messi for a sum that would have exceeded Ronaldo's earnings. For now, Messi will continue his role as tourism ambassador for Saudi Arabia, a position he's held since May 2022. And Neil Joyce says the dual effect of superstars Ronaldo and Messi in Saudi Arabia will shine an even brighter spotlight on the game of football in the country. I have to mention here that Paris Saint-Germain, Lionel Messi's current team, is owned by the Qatari government. Qatar hosted the just-concluded 2022 World Cup, where Argentina defeated France in the tournament final to give Messi his first World Cup title. And that is all from me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uten. Now let's go to the southern U.S. city of Auburn, Alabama, where Nigeria's 100-meter men's sprint champion, Favor Ashe, is based. Favor is a student athlete at Auburn University. And you might say 2022 was in his favor on the track. He won a bronze medal with Nigeria's 4x100 meters relay team at the Commonwealth Games in England. And he reached the semifinals in the men's 100 meters at the World Championships in the USA. In a phone interview from Auburn with Iron Mike Mbonye, the 20-year-old Ashe reflected on 2022 and his athletic mindset for 2023. So I would say the experience last season was okay because I was in good health, I wasn't injured, I was ready to go. 
I was consistent. So with that, I would say that's a good that's that's one of the best seasons for me and a good one for me also. And also I have to compete with some big names in the World Championships, compete with Fred Kelly and other big names. I would say that's that's a big experience. For a 20 years old boy and making my first world championship team for the first time also making it to the semi-final i think that's a great way to start as a athlete coming up you participated in the world athletics championships commonwealth games african athletics championships and other events how will you describe your performance in these events i participated in the world athletic championships i won the national flyers in 9.9 seconds. That was my first Lego sub 10 race. So going into the World Championship, I was hoping for something better, but I would say I didn't do bad, but I was hoping for something much better than what I did, like breaking my PB, but I went there. And I made it to the semi, that's a good one there, but I ran a 10.00, that's pretty good, cause that's not far from my PRO 9.9 seconds. And I made it to the semi, and the semi, I was like, the semi, that was where I felt the pressure. Like, that's where I know, yeah, I'm competing with the big guys right now. I felt the pressure, but we give God all the glory. That was a good outing. That was like a good experience for me. That's just the beginning. And going to the Commonwealth Games, I felt I'm a bit tired because I've been competing all the season from January 28th to June or I've been competing all year so I feel I'm a bit tired I need some rest so I was like I just need to go to the Commonwealth Games and do my thing and which which is that that's that's what I did and also I didn't make it to the final so I think my time coming my time coming my time coming also we we made it to the four by one final and yeah we won the medal we took bronze in the four by one I would say that's good also. That's a great way because it's been long Nigeria. I think it's been long Nigeria's taking a medal from the Commonwealth Games, but yeah. Favor, as a young athlete, have you commenced preparations for the new athletics year and the challenges ahead? Yeah, coming into 2023, I have a good full practice, which is my build-up practice. It was pretty good. Like, I and my coach made sure, like, sometimes... I was practicing to the extent I was like I was about to give up, but my coach here in America make sure like yeah I put in the work. I would say it's it's easy, it's it's not easy because like that was a good that was a good and difficult practice right there like. But I would say yes, I'm ready coming to coming into 2022. I'm ready. I've did the work right now just for me to to print out the result, like to show the result. And yes, I've made is I've made some preparations. My school have my school be making sure I've been good. Like they making sure they do the possible things for me, which that's that's a good way. So I think right now there's nothing stopping me back or from competing in this new season. I'm all set to go. He's all set to go. That's Nigeria's 100-meter sprint champion, Favor Ashe. And Favor was talking with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Auburn University in the southern U.S. state of Alabama. Sporty greetings. This is Favor Ashe, 
the Nigerian Nightmare and 100 meter national champion. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on the voice of America. Thank you. Thank you, Favor. And thanks to Iron Mike Mbonye for that interview. VOA Africa is your trusted source for news, sports, entertainment, and music. Stay engaged with VOA Africa. We love to hear your voice. You can call us 24-7 on WhatsApp and leave a message. Leave comments, requests, or greetings. We may play your message on VOA Africa. Dial the international code PLUS1. Then 202-258-3076. VOA Africa is always happy to hear your voice. The number again is the international code plus one. Then 202-258-3076. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. You can follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook, Twitter, and at voaafrica.com. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. My Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. And you can listen online to the sunny side of sports and other VOA programs by going to voaafrica.com. South Africa's national men's cricket team, nicknamed the Proteas, is hoping to soon bounce back from a crushing Test Series defeat to Australia with victories against England and West Indies. Central to the Protea's plans will be a young, fast bowler, Lungi Ngidi, acknowledged as one of the best pacemen South Africa has so far produced. Darren Taylor has this feature profile for us from Johannesburg. One of Test Cricket's greatest achievements for a bowler is a haul of five wickets in a match. In January 2018, at the age of just 20, Lungi Ngidi made his test debut against India at Supersport Park in Pretoria. And what a debut it was. During India's second innings, the fast bowler took six wickets, conceding a mere 39 runs. And doesn't time it. It's Ngidi who runs across and takes it. He has the knack of taking wickets. He's struck with the second ball. And it's the Indian captain. Since South Africa re-entered international cricket after decades of sporting isolation because of apartheid, the country's teams have had mixed results. They've been the highest-ranked test and one-day team on many occasions since the early 1990s, but have consistently failed to win a World Cup. But no one can argue that during that time, the Proteas, named after South Africa's national flower, have produced some of the greatest fast bowlers ever. Ngidi, the son of a fuel attendant, is one of them. We made ends meet where we could. It was simple, but I enjoyed it. I had a loving family. 
you know, I think I grew up a pretty happy child. Ngidi's mother worked as a domestic helper for a family in the upmarket suburb of Kluif, near the east coast city of Durban. The family sponsored his tuition at the local primary school. Ngidi did so well academically that nearby Hilton College, one of South Africa's most prestigious schools, approached him to enroll. Yeah, you know, I had to adapt to it, but, you know, I think that was part of my journey. Fortunate enough to get a scholarship to such a, you know, amazing school. And I think I had to use that opportunity. Everything was bigger. Yeah, you know, over time you get used to it. And I think finding myself in that environment really helped me mold into the man that I am today. Ngidi, tall and strong, initially excelled at the rough-and-tumble game of rugby. He says he dabbled in cricket. This dabbling was enough to attract the attention of Hilton's cricket coach, former Zimbabwe international Neil Johnson. Johnson guided Ngidi into the vicious art of hurling cricket balls at opposing batsmen, trying to smash their wickets and sometimes smashing their bodies. After establishing himself as one of South Africa's most exciting talents on the provincial cricket scene, Ngidi was selected for the national squad just two years out of high school. As a youngster coming into the team, you're obviously a bit nervous, but I think once you start finding your feet, the environment that we have really allows you to be yourself. And, you know, that's who I intended to be, the type of person that I am. Um, if something doesn't sit well with me, I'm going to say something. In March 2020, in a one-day international against formidable Australia, Ngidi took his first five-wicket haul in one-day cricket. That same match saw him reach 50 wickets in one-day matches in only 26 games, a national record. Later that year, Ngidi was named South African Cricketer of the Year. He took his first five-wicket haul in 20-over cricket against England in July last year. Ngidi is also respected for his activism off the field, where he raises his big voice to oppose violence against women and children, which is rampant in South Africa. We all have loved ones in our lives. You know, there's women and children in my life that I care about, and, you know, I really do worry about their safety as well. So it sits close to my heart because it's, it's something that we see on a daily basis as well. You know, it's all over social media. Being a sportsman and the platform that you have, you know, you can really influence change within society. And I think, you know, being able to engage with the youth, empower them and educate them can really go a long way in breaking a cycle that has been now happening for a very long time. Ngidi says from what he's seen at schools around the country in recent years, including in townships, South Africa's not going to be short of excellent fast bowlers in the future, especially if the youngsters of today apply themselves properly. Focus is important. Education is important. That's one thing that my parents drove home. I could never play cricket unless I got my studies in order. So, yeah, you know, dream big. Because to be honest, I, I never thought I'd see myself sitting in this position today. But here I am. And I guess the main thing was just I listened to a lot of information that was given to me. Listening is a very important skill in life. And if you can do that, I think you will find a lot of information that will help you achieve what you want to achieve.
For now, Ngidi's focus is on the Proteus' next series of matches against old foe, England. He says he and strike partner Kachiso Rabada have some special plans for the three lions. Plans to make sure they're the only two who do the roaring on the field. For the sunny side of sports, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. Thanks, Darren. From Johannesburg, let's go to Nigeria's political capital, Abuja, where Samson Omale joins us with another spicy package of African sports news. Sporty Friday greetings, Samson. Sporty Friday greetings to you too, Sunny. We begin the wrap of Africa sports highlight for this weekend in Kenya, where former Arsenal and Tottenham Hotspur player Emmanuel Adebayo has concluded a two-day visit to Kenya. The one-time African Footballer of the Year is on a working trip to Nairobi as part of his ambassadorial work with a gaming firm. The former Togolese international watched the Kenyan Premier League match between Tosca and Talanta FC at the Roraka grounds on Thursday. Shortly after the match, he summed up his views on East African football in these words. It's my first time watching a Premier League game in, uh, in Eastern Africa, especially in Kenya, which I really enjoyed. And, uh, you know, it was good to see the, the, the young players trying to survive, trying to be a footballer, trying to take the, the their trying to represent their community, try to represent their um, their, their town, their, their country and especially the continent. Staying with football news, the seventh edition of the African Nations Championship, Chan, continues in Algeria after the first full week of exciting matches across four venues. The competition is meant exclusively for home-based players playing in their domestic leagues. Black Stars legend Asamoah Gyang says the current generation taking part in the Chan tournament must make full use of the opportunity. Yeah, I think uh, this generation is uh... Um, I think they are lucky to, to have that exposure, you know, because of course our, our generation we didn't get that um, exposure till we, we, we fought to the highest level, you know, and now um, this tournament is also um, good for the local base players, you know, to show the whole world or to exhibit their talent and everything, you know, so they've got a platform right now, so everything depends on them to showcase their talent for the whole world to see what we have in Africa. The Galaxies of Ghana cruised to a 3-1 victory over a wasteful Sudanese side in the only game played on Thursday. This is Ghana's first win at this year's edition and has sent them into second position with three points behind Madagascar's six after two match days. In other churn results, the Ugandan Cranes 1-0 victory over African soccer joint Senegal on Wednesday night in their second game of the 2023 African Nations Championship propelled the team to its best ever performance in their last season appearances. The victory puts Uganda at the summit of Group B with four points ahead of Senegal, DR Congo and Ivory Coast. Coach Militin Serdajovic of the Ugandan Cranes described their latest victories as a product of hard work. We need critically to look at the things so that we properly prepare for the match. As a mature leader, I need to put players firmly on the ground to not fly in the sky. To understand that in football is like fish, any moment could slip out of your hand. Uganda State Minister for Sports Peter Ogwang is among the few Ugandans cheering the Ugandan cranes at the Chan. Mr. Ogwang has been speaking about the lessons from the Chan training venues, stadia, and other facilities in Algeria that his home country can learn from. Yes, while government were planning to invest on the big infrastructure, like for instance, Namboli, there are those government clubs. 
I put them in quotes. In my considered opinion, they must begin to plan to have such facilities, and that will take Ugandan football the next level in women football news after the first round of games the organizers of the nigerian women football league has announced mid-season break for the team the first round of the season ended on wednesday with edo queens and delta queens leading the table in groups a and b the organizers announced on thursday evening that the league has gone on break and will resume for the second round on the 8th of february 2023 but they've also announced that the transfer window will run from january 23rd to february 23rd Table tennis news, it was a poor start for Nigerian's table tennis star. Aruna Quadria, the world table tennis contender in Doha, as he bowed out in the first round. The Nigerian star had a decent outing in the just-concluded Durban series in South Africa, finishing in the quarterfinals but failed to go beyond the first round in Doha. Playing against a Portuguese qualifier, Narco Ferritas, Aruna dominated the first round and was able to finish on top. A decent performance saw Ferritas bounce back, showcasing his mettle to win three games on the trout, upsetting the Nigerian star to secure his spot in the next stage in a game that ended 5-11, 11-7, 11-9, in favor of the Portuguese. Sporty greetings. I'm Aruna Kodri, Nigerian professional table tennis player. You're listening to the Sony side of sport on the Voice of America. In basketball news, the FIBA Women's Afro Basket Qualifiers Zone 5 Championship is slated for February 14th to the 19th at the Indoor Arena in Lugogo, Uganda. The qualifiers mark the beginning of the qualifying journey to the FIBA Women's Afro Basket 2023 finals that will take place in Kigali from July 26th to August the 6th. Zone 5 member countries like Uganda, Egypt, Kenya, Rwanda, South Sudan, Tanzania, Ethiopia, Somalia have confirmed their participation at the tournament in Kampala. Uganda's women national basketball team, the Gazels, have started non-residential training ahead of the qualifiers. Mavita Ali, the assistant coach of the Gazels, said the team is working on several concepts to improve their skills ahead of the tournament. We're doing a lot of um, some small offensive concepts, uh, transition and uh, three-on-three and uh, we're looking a lot at how they're making decisions, how they work together, and uh, because that's what we have to focus on going forward anyway. So um, we also have to cut down the team to a sizable number like 15. So this gives an opportunity to see who is playing well, who's understanding the concepts right now, and we're doing pretty much the same thing today as well. And now to Scrabble. Ahead of the World Scrabble Championship built to hold in July in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA, the Nigeria Scrabble Federation has announced plans to hold a three-day trials to select players that will represent the country. The three-day trial is slated to be held between the 26th to the 28th of January. The top 20 players in the NSF ranking, along with three top female players, as well as three wildcards, will make the list of the players that are to be invited for the trials. President of the Nigerian Scrabble Federation is Olubatoke Aka. We, we, we expect to retain our number one slot as the best Scrabble playing nation in the world come July again, as long as we're able to get our top players to play in the event. In boxing news, Ghanaians living outside of the country's capital, Accra, will soon begin to enjoy boxing marches as the Boxing Association is set to decentralize its activities. President of the Ghana Boxing Authority, Abraham Nkwe, says the success of the boxing league in the greater Accra area has compelled the GBA to expand to three regions of Ashanti, Northern and Volta regions. Now what we want to do is we centered the whole thing in Accra. Now we are going to the regions. 
that tells you that there is uh, improvement. We did uh, uh, 20 events. We are looking at 30 events. Uh, put some 10 out there in the various region. Yesterday, my discussion with the minister, we look at uh, Ashanti region and then the northern region uh, as well. Voter region is doing well now, so we want to add the two to the voter region. And now to cycling. Four-time Tour de France champion Chris Fromey has confirmed that he will participate at the much-anticipated Tour de Rwanda 2023 race, slated for February 19th to the 26th. Fromey was born in Kenya and has gone ahead to establish himself as a veteran and as a seasoned world-class rider who rose to quick success, winning every possible world cycling race including the Tour de France, Giro d'Italia and Tour of Spain. It's going to be the first time for me back in Africa for, for quite a while, so I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a completely new experience. I've never been to Rwanda before. Um, sounds, sounds like it's going to be an amazing race. And it's going to be a really good chance for me to check out the Field of Dreams project that the team has been building. That's four-time Tour de France cycling champion Chris Froome. And thanks to Samson Omale for that extra spicy package of African Sports News. And that wraps up the January 20th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. I hope you have a nice and sporty weekend. I'm DOA Sunny Young in Washington, and that's the sunny side of 